Hello and welcome to Midlife Opportunity. My name is Dr. Conor Hogan and I'm here again for our second episode. So I'm delighted to bring to you today a fantastic guest. This guy is exactly what a leader should be. He's lived the life. He's been through the trenches, literally, and he's coming up very soon. His name is Oak McCullough. And you might think that with my funny little Irish accent, that McCullough might be a name that could come from my stretch of the water from Western Europe, from Ireland or Scotland or somewhere like that. We'll find out later because Oak McCullough served many, many years in the US Army. So we're, we're going to check it all out a little bit later. But first, I'm going to talk about it. What's the show about? What's it all about? Right. So we start. Right off in the first step here on midlife opportunity, talking about exactly what a midlife opportunity is. We defined the need for this opportunity, the fact that most people in many, well, not most people, but most people that hit middle age often wonder and their thought patterns change with regard to, I'm older, I've missed the boat. My 20s, my 30s and so on is gone. What do I do now? I'm 40 years of age. Some say life begins at 40. But maybe it doesn't for some people because they begin to think differently. They begin to act differently. And then the behavior becomes different. And then the 50s, 60s, and so on, it's just midlife. And often it's a crisis for many. And we said that a midlife crisis is a thing we, of course, want to avoid. And this is what we're doing on this show. I want you, my friend, to get in touch with me at Connor at docconnor.com or midlifeopportunity.show. Who can get in touch with me? You can. Anybody that's in that midlife range. I don't care if you're a prince or a pauper. Get in touch. Let's have a conversation. If you have a story, an idea, or you want to appear on the show, even for a little bit of time, or just want your story heard, or you want to ask a question maybe, or make a comment, get in touch with me at docconnor.com or connor at docconnor.com or midlifeopportunity.show and all the social medias that are out there because unfortunately I'm on them all, more or less. So where and what are we doing today? We're talking with this great guy, Oak McCullough. Now here's the thing about Oak. He's into leadership because he's lived it and he's now writing, well, he's written a book, a great book, fantastic book, all about leadership. And also he's on the topic of leadership. And he's going to talk about this in a few minutes. But there's one specific part of leadership that's really important to Oak. And it's something I have to say that I am absolutely mad about myself. It's a thing called servant leadership. He's going to talk about it in a few moments' time. But what is servant leadership? Well, essentially, we can break it down into different parts. One is that you have empathy. Imagine empathy, leading with empathy. So you're probably thinking right now, how can a guy in the US Army, who is like really male, how can he actually show empathy, something that's supposedly very soft, and still be a great leader? Another thing that servant leadership portrays and talks about a lot is the art of building a community. And that's what's really, really important with regard to family, we know, with regard to if, of course, you're a soldier, or a leader in the army, I would imagine not having been in the US Army myself, 
that community is really, really strong and important. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about that as well. There's other aspects as well with regard to all of servant leadership, but I'm not the expert on this right now. I'm looking for Oak McCullough, and he's coming up in a few months' time. But until then, remember this. You have an opportunity to get in touch at dotconnor.com or you can get in touch with us on midlifeopportunity.show. We really want to hear your stories, your comments, your questions, and anything that you need to know with regard to avoiding a midlife crisis and having that midlife opportunity. So take the opportunity and come back right after this break. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Uh-uh-uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> Selfie nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. And I'm really interested today in finding out from our guest, Oak McCullough, who will speak about very, very soon, in a few seconds, about opportunity, about problems, about all these different things, about leadership, servant leadership, like you said in the first part of the show. So here's the thing. If you want to get in touch with us, reach out. I'm on connor.connor.com and midlifeopportunity.show. Now we're going to go to the man of the moment, Oak McCullough. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's wonderful to hear from you again, my friend. So I'm interested, first off, in your background, because obviously here I am, a little pauper over the Atlantic Ocean in Ireland, <laughs> and we don't have this huge, big U.S. army. I've seen it on movies, and... I just want you to think about that for a second, but I'm also going to stifle you for a second because I know one thing about the U.S. Army. They're used to pressure. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we, how about we give you one we, minute? We certainly have, have that in our, in our uh, thing. Yeah. One minute of midlife male pressure to ask you a few quick questions. Are you up for that? Sure. Yep, absolutely. Right. Seven multiplied by nine is 56 okay next question what is your favorite color blue interesting and the third question is would you like or prefer unanswered prayers or the dance uh the dance not so bad can you tell us the last line of the American national anthem? Yeah. Uh, home of the brave. I think our time is just up. Not yeah. so bad. <laughs> okay. So that was just a kind of a you know, warm up. It's not really serious. So we're talking about pressure though. Yeah. Um, tell Good. us all about yeah. the army. And your background go ahead 
Yeah, so I, uh, I I spent 23 years on active duty in the United States Army. I was uh, an infantry officer and an armored cavalry officer, so what we call a combat arms officer. Um, I had leadership positions from platoon leader all the way up through uh, I ran an Army ROTC program, so led anywhere from 30 people to 100, 379 people um, during my time uh, in in command or in in, uh, uh, in 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 charge of soldiers and and cadets and that kind of thing and had three real deployments I had uh, operation desert seal desert storm during the 90s and then I had uh, uh, I was involved in the operations in Bosnia during the late mid 1990s and then uh, Kosovo 1999 2000 so uh, had had a few deployments during my time in in the in the military. So, from a guy, as I say, in Europe, and you mentioned Kosovo, and you mentioned a lot of those areas essentially are in Europe. And now we see what what's happening in Ukraine. First off, like for me, growing up and watching that, I noticed that you know there was a lot going on. This was very violent, and I wonder, like, how can an ordinary soldier, especially a young soldier going out there, how do you keep it together? Yeah, that, I get asked that quite often. And I always tell people, look, it, it really comes down to training because we're all creatures of habit. Uh, we do things in a habit. And if you don't believe me, remember how you tied your shoes, put your shoes on this morning. I promise you, you put your shoes on every sing the same way every single day. Or if you shave, you shave the exact same way every single day. We, and Habits are a good thing because then that way you don't have to think about what it is that you, you're going to do. You just do it. And, and the Army is no different. You know, we, we do the training, realistic training, so that when you get into that situation, you don't have to think about what you got to do. You just do it out of habit. And, and I think that's, uh, that's really what causes, what allows soldiers to do the things that they want to do. So that's on the training then, about. can you recall when you were very starting off like what part of the training did you find difficult so i i the physical piece was never hard for me i that was i was an athlete growing up and so to me it was the easy jump so i think sometimes it's just the attention to detail and it took a little while to to get to that point where uh, you know because things some things came easy to me growing up some things didn't but a lot of things did um, and so, you know, paying attention to detail, especially into those really difficult, very detail oriented things was probably the hardest thing for me as a leader, uh, not only for me, but to convince my soldiers, the people who I was leading, not the soldiers when I was leading the food bank, the same thing, teaching them and getting them to pay attention to the detail of the little things. And so can you give us an example then of the detail of the little things? So if I'm starting off, I'm a young soldier, or if I'm a guy right now, or and I'm intent on, you know, I have this dream, or I want to, for some reason, or see, or seek out the army, like, what do I need to do? Like, what, like, if, if there's a parent listening, a father right now, and here we are after the last couple of years with regard to COVID and the inconsistency, I presume consistency is really important in the army. You mentioned attention to detail. So I presume it's this detail, the next detail and so on. And like you said, habits. So what do I need to do as a 
maybe a father or uh, a guide here in middle age with regard to telling a young person or guiding them towards the army? Like, why is that important? Yeah, well, I think if if you if that's the the route that you want to go, then I think you get you got to really you know the physical fitness piece is absolutely uh, important, and then just taking care of yourself uh, health wise because the step a lot of the people that want to come in right now, at least in the American Army, we turn turn away because of health reasons. Only you know very, it's getting harder and harder to find people who meet the medical requirements. Um, because of medicine that they're taking and all those kinds of things. But I think the, the huge thing, that the main things is the physical fitness piece and, and just making sure that you're still doing the things, you know, high school education, or if you want to be an officer, the college education wise. So you, get, get, maintain your education and maintain your physical fitness. And I think you'll be okay. So if you can say, summarize your career in the army, especially before you became the leader that you are. And we'll get to that in a second. But like, how did you, like, did you enjoy it first off? And like, why? Yeah, I did enjoy it. I always tell people that I, I loved every minute of my 23 years in the Army. And, and, I, and I think I did. You know, there were days when, you know, you're out in the middle of the desert and it's 120 degrees and you're in the sun baking that, you, you know, maybe you'd think you don't enjoy it. But when you look back on it, wow. it really was I mean, those are the things that make you who you are. And and so I think, you know, those days and then the days when it was freezing cold somewhere in Germany and the middle of the winter. And you're yeah, I, I always tell people the story of uh, I was sleeping on top of my tank and uh, through the night and had it zipped all the way up. And in the morning I unzipped it and snow fell in on me. So, you know, those are the things that you, you kind of remember and that make you the person you are. But I, I did it enjoy my time in the army and uh, and, I, and I don't think I would trade it for anything but but you know there are things that that you do that you you were that really stick with you throughout your time and it it really is what made me who I am today I mean there's no doubt about it those, so, those small little things are what made me who I am well, you, you, so you give a small little kind of story there with regard to the snow coming down when you wake up and that, which is crazy. But like, what are the things like, even, even if they're not stories, like what are the memories, good or bad that stick with you that have made you then what you are today? Do you think? Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's uh you know, I, I certainly had mentors throughout my time uh, who, who would help me through some difficult situations or they would, would give me some advice when I asked for it. Um, but, you know, for me, I think that the defining moments in, in, that helped develop me, I, and I give this example, uh, I had a brand, I was a brand new lieutenant, showed up and, and uh, I took over a platoon of 32 infantry soldiers. And the day I took over, they were already out on the range doing a dismounted live fire exercise. And they took me out there, they dropped me off and it was at lunchtime. So they're all sitting around eating an MRE, you know, bag lunch that the army has. And my platoon sergeant, uh, Sergeant First Class Pinson, who was six foot six, 250 pounds, big, a big man, uh, walks up and says, sure. he, he was my second in command now that I was the platoon leader. And he walks up and says, come on over here, boss. Let's have a, let's have a, a lunch underneath the tree. And we went over there and he said, you know, you're the you're the lieutenant. You're in charge. He said, 
We'll do anything you want to do, however you want to do it. He said, but I've been in the Army for 23 years. Remember, I'm 24 years old as a brand new second lieutenant in charge of this yeah. platoon. He's been in the Army 23 years. He's been in the Army almost as long as I've been alive. And he said, you're in charge. If you want to do something a certain way, we'll do it that way. He said, but I've been in the Army a while, 23 years. He said, I've seen things done any which way you can imagine, good and bad. If you're screwing up, I'm going to tell you. If you still want to do it that way, we'll do it that way because you're in charge. But it's my responsibility to tell you when you're making a mistake. And, you know, I listened to him and I give Sergeant First Class Pinson a lot of credit for turning me into the, the leader I am today. Just that that year that he had with me or I had with him. Yeah. So you you actually you have a book as well. And uh, it's with regard to all your experiences, like you said, 23 years in the army and that but i wonder in the book right there's parts of it obviously about army life and now that you're a speaker and author and you're established in another career like tell us all about the career that you're now taking and also where has this like come from what where, what is a change from i presume retirement at a certain age because you're what 60 now so i presume retirement is in the last few years I think it was 2009 so in the last 12 13 years there must have been things going through your mind like what what has been your journey mentally then over this midlife for you to get from leading the army to now and then becoming this great officer and speaker that's doing so much for leadership tell us about that journey and how it made you feel yeah yeah absolutely connor uh so when i retired from the army i knew i still wanted to do something service oriented because I'm, I'm a service oriented person i believe in selfless service and so you know, I didn't want to jump into, you know, um, Fortune 500 business company. That just wasn't me. So I, I went to a food bank and I was the associate director of a food bank in, in Mobile, Alabama, the local area where I retired. And I did that for about 18 months. Great job. Um, great people doing a great job. But then they offered me to come back and work with the Army as a recruiter here for Army ROTC, producing the next generation of leaders for the Army. And, and that kind of fell right into my, what I thought was my wheelhouse, you know, leadership. And, and so between all that, I, I figured out that I really needed to, cause I, I am, I'm going to be 60 here in January and I, I, I'm not going to do this forever, you know, do the recruiting forever. And I wanted to do something to give back to the young men and women of this country and whoever wants to have, hear me talk about leadership because I do do some businesses, but mainly it's young men and women, because I think that we need, you know, it is our responsibility as today's leaders to create the next generation of leaders. And, and so that's why, that's what pushed me to where I am in my life right now. Because at this point in my life, that really is my passion to talk to as many young men and women as I so can. So it's your passion, but like you attribute a lot back to that great leader that you had who was 23 years in the army at the time you were 24 years of age a young soldier and that so like has there been a time in life for it's dipped down it's been difficult for you for your mindset like even though you might be seen as many by many with the guy with the uniform on the guy that's the natural leader the guy that's been trained has the habits like you said has there been a time at all during that period that has you know you've questioned things of, of where you're going what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think anybody who's been a leader in any profession has had questions, you know, and there was a time, you know, I, I, 
I, I always wanted to be a battalion commander and I never, I didn't get selected. I was on the alternate list twice. So, I, but I never got selected to do that. And I always told people if I didn't get selected as a battalion commander, I wanted to be a professor of military science to help develop the next generation of leaders. But I will tell you that it still hurt that I didn't get selected to be a battalion commander. And, and, you know, you, you start questioning yourself, did I do things right? Did, did, did I do everything that I could have done? Mm. And, you know, and I look in the mirror and I tell people I can look in the mirror every day and I think I did what was the right things to do. Not always in my best interest, but in the best interest of the Army and in the organization that I was leading. And that's all you can do. And it's funny you say look in the mirror. I mean, people have to men. We have to look in the mirror no matter what age, no matter what the opportunity is or the potential that we see. You, you mentioned there's other people around you. I know you're interested in family and you look out for and make decisions around that. And I know you've deepened your spirituality briefly. Can you tell us about that part of your life? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I am a Christian. Unashamedly, I admit I'm a Christian. I, and I, you know, but I grew up a Baptist and I don't know, you know, there in Europe, but, um, but I, but I'm a Catholic now. And I, I know in Europe, you know what Catholic is. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, the whole reason sure I do was because of my yeah, my, I, I married my wife, who was Catholic, and and I went to the Catholic Church for years without being Catholic, just because it was easy to have one religion in the in the family, because uh, I have a son and a daughter, and um, and but eventually I I finally figured out that that I did want to be a Catholic, and so I switched, and 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 my wife certainly has had a a, a huge influence on helping me develop my spiritual part much more than I think I probably would have um, on my own. And and I'm thankful for that because that's, that's a huge part of our lives. It really is. How does your spirituality lastly, Oak, how does your spirituality as a midlife leader, how does that influence your servant leadership that you so brilliantly portray within your book, within your speaking, within your um, teaching, within your leadership? Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, to me, uh, servant leadership is because I've actually had people ask me, say, so how long did you research the Bible to write your book? And I said, I didn't research the Bible. I read the Bible. I read the Bible every day. But but to me, a lot of what about being a self selfless leader and a servant leader is is about, you know, taking is about pe other people and about treating them the golden rule, treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said in the beginning with empathy, you know, understand that they have, they're going through things in life just like you are. And so you have to have some empathy for that. But I, I think that that has been the influence for me is the religious, my spiritual part has allowed me to be, be more em, em, uh, empathetic and to understand how to treat other people a little bit better than, than I think I would have if I wasn't as spiritual as I am. It seems just from what you're saying there that the potential of a bumpy ride with regard to going from one career to another and seeing this other career as an opportunity more so than a crisis, that bumpy ride seems to be smoothed out by things like you just said, the empathy, the spirituality, the family, and looking around yourself at everybody that you're making choices for, and it's not just you. It, would that be true? Yeah, it is. And I think that that's, that's really huge. Like, like you kind of uh, 
alluded to in the beginning is that every everything you know you can you can say it's a challenge or you can say it's an opportunity and i'm a, i'm a firm believer in that it's an opportunity everything that is out there it, it you can either look at it positively or negatively and if you're looking at it positively that doesn't mean that you don't get down on occasion because we all do. But if you keep that positive attitude, I think that in the end, you'll see that it, it, it takes you in the right direction. Your book is called, correct me if I'm wrong, Leadership with... Your Leadership Legacy, Lead your legacy. Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. Your Leadership. Where can we get it and where yeah. can we contact you? Yeah, so you can get it on Amazon, um, and it is available in a hardcover, a paperback, an ebook, and start just this weekend. Audible. Uh, I, I had the audio book was published this weekend, cool. and it's read in my voice. I read it, um, and then um, and and then you can go onto my website www.ltcoakmacullah.com, and uh, if you know you can hire me to, you know, that's where I do, uh, I have all my speaking things on there. And I also have my book on there. And if you want a signed copy, we can figure out how to do that. Somebody asked me if, if, if I'd autograph a copy for him. And I said, absolutely not. Only famous people have autographs. I'll sign it for you though. <laughs> the difference between an autograph and a signature. Thank you so much, Oak. So LTC, Oakland dot? L L LTC Oak McCullough. Oak McCullough. Is that an Irish name, by the way, McCullough? Or you know, Scottish? I don't know or if it's Irish or Scottish. Um, I, yeah. I think, you know, and, and people in my family spell it both ways. So I have relatives who spell it O-U-G-H, and then I have some that spell it yeah. like I do, O-C-H. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'm Scottish or Irish, and I, and I haven't done the DNA test yet to figure that out. <laughs> well, there's one thing you are, Oak, and thank you so much. You're very kind for giving us your time your expertise and your experience and leadership. And you are a leader for sure. And you're serv servant leader for sure. So check him out. Check out. Oh, thank you so much for giving of your time again to expertise. And we'll be right back after this break where we'll talk about servant leadership. We'll talk about a few things that Oak has just spoken about from his 23 years in the army, from his leadership, from his speaking, from his book. And until then, make sure you take the opportunity to check out myth and you can get in touch with me connor.com that's d-o-c-o-n-o-r or connor at connor.com until then take the opportunity to come back after this short break This is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211-211 to find a solution. Hello and welcome back to Midlife Opportunity. What is your opportunity? I want you to avoid a crisis in life and come see life as an opportunity at midlife. This is 
one of the messages that that Lieutenant Oak McCulloch just gave us in this earlier part of today's show, Midlife Opportunity. That show is also how you can get in touch with us, or you can get in touch with me on docconnor.com. That's D-O-C-C-N-O-R.com. You can email her at docconnor.com. Why do I want your company? Why do I want you to come in here? Because I want to hear your stories. I want to hear exactly what's going on in your life. Right now, in the last couple of years, the COVID, cost of living, with the war here in Europe, all of these things, these are challenges, but they can be flipped around, a crisis to an opportunity. We had Oak McCullough, who's 23 years in the US Army, who changed his life in around his 50s to make his life mean something so that he could lead others in a different way. He wrote a book. He wrote a book and he then went and pushed it out as a speaker and he helped others. He has told us all about exactly why it's important to be a servant leader. He mentioned empathy, looking out for others. And he even lived that in his choice, in his decision to become the speaker, in his decision to write the book, in his way of communicating to others, because he lived it in so far as his face. He changed religion. How many people do that? He looked at what was going on in his personal life with his wife and the fact that he wanted to lead his family in a way that he knew to be best for this world that we're living in right now. He also found from all of his dealings with religion that spirituality is really core to his servant leadership. And servant leadership is all about serving others, looking at, as we said at the start, empathy, community, and communicating in a way that's good for others that's not forceful but that does allow others to come in and help us so that we can make others leaders in return in turn as well like he has been led in the u.s army where he gave a fantastic uh, example and story of a great leader that helped him who was extra years in the army when he, he was 28 himself and gave him the tidbits of advice that was needed to become and accelerate to be the great father, the great leader, and the great person he is right now with his book and with his speaking. And so servant leading in the way that was spoken about there is so, so important. And it's something really needed in this world right now. But the interesting thing from a research point of view about servant leadership, it's very difficult at times to document exactly what's going on because it can be flawed. How can it be flawed? Well, the thing about it is, Unless the leader or the leadership project that is being researched, unless those people, those respondents, those surveyed, those interviewed and so on, are actually ethical in how they report things, then it's really difficult to quantify, to figure out how many people are becoming servant leaders, how many people are showing empathy, how many people are actually being the good communicators, the people to bring others into community. So it's really, really important for us to quantify things in our own life. And one of the ways we can do that is by when we're alone, just look at ourselves and make the decision that, is this the right thing to do? Am I looking around for everyone else in the community? Am I actually actively going to go out there and do something that serves not just me, but others as well? It's about being honest, being truthful, and being aware. And we mentioned that on episode one, but that's episode two, almost wrapped up. 
But until we go to episode three, remember our speaker today. Remember our great guest, Oak McCulloch. And you can check out his website at www.oak. Sorry, oak he is like strong as a tree, but it's actually www.ltcoakmacculloch.com. Leaders all the start of their websites, except for me, because I'm docconnor.com, and you can get in touch with me at any time. Also, midlifeopportunity.show. We want to hear from you, your worries, your comments. Come on board. Let's hear from you. All right. So until next time, remember, on ngbnt.tv, we have got for you, my friend, the opportunity to come on television and tell us all what's going on, making your midlife crisis into a midlife opportunity. I will be there for you. I will support you outside of the station. You can communicate with me, Connor at .connor.com. I will be your accountability partner. And you will see life as a midlife opportunity. Until next time, as we say here in Ireland, slán, bye-bye. Mm -hmm.